You're listening to the Soakin' Community Podcast. Your favorite source for gaming, film, and internet debate starts now. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to record Jace's last will and testament. As apparently he, he is quoting. It's true. I'm not going to make it to the end of the podcast. And if I do, exactly as Taps starts to play. I believe in you, Jace. Anyway, I'm your host, T, and with our Jace and Leo, well, at least for now. Jace Drace. Uh, hello, I'm Leo, and I'm here for some podcast awesomeness. Oh, tis the season. We've got some new stuff going on today, so you guys ready to hit the road? Yes, but we have a very limited window because I did take NyQuil, so it's going to get really, really fun for a minute. I might lose my push to talk ability as drugs take over and I, I succumb to the dark. That means I win the debate. No, I must. I mustn't not allow that so let me get some coke zero in my veins today we'll be discussing the black widow teaser trailer and the wonder woman 1984 trailer sony's state of play announcements and get into some debate about holiday cheer let's ride into it on a one horse open sleigh On December 2nd, Marvel dropped an extended teaser trailer for Black Widow, their prequel film about the titular hero taking place just after the events of Captain America Civil War. Only a few days later, on December 8th, DC dropped their trailer for Wonder Woman 1984. With both of these movies set to release in 2020, Marvel and DC are now competing not only for their superhero movie genre, but for female-led superhero movies in general. Do you think these movies releasing in the same time frame is going to be beneficial or damaging to their box office ratings? I mean, I'm 100% going to see both in the theater probably multiple times, so it's not going to hurt as far as this particular patron is concerned. <clears throat> the obvious... I mean, the battle between Marvel and DC is ageless. It goes back forever. We've actually had the debate, I think, on season one of the podcast about the two universes colliding. <clears throat> I'm honestly super stoked for both. So I don't think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt either one. I do feel like that Black Widow comes in with a little bit of um, a little bit of a head start just because it's... She's coming in with the momentum of Endgame and Spider-Man, these billion-dollar movies. So the MCU is just a powerhouse in and of itself. Wonder Woman was very well received. People do love her as as the the first lady of the DC trilogy. Uh, <laughs> what is it called? <laughs> Trinity. So I'm I can't bash her at all. I loved that movie, and I've loved Wonder Woman way longer than I've loved Black Widow. I have come into a love for Black Widow, as I think probably most people in the general populace have. There's probably a comic book culture that really loves Black Widow, but I think most people in culture have come to, to know Black Widow. We've known Wonder Woman since we've been little. Linda Carter been spinning lights on our TV screen since we was babies. So we, we know her... Uh, we have a, a familiarity with her that's, that goes a lot deeper and a lot longer. I think I think that there's not going to be any real competition there. I think that it's just going to be two female-led superhero movies, and they're both going to do really well. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard um, 
I, I don't remember which author it was, but I remember there was an author that, that I liked a lot of, a, a fantasy author, who had remarked on um, similar books coming out uh, around the same time that theirs were, uh, and whether or not they resented the, quote, competition. And the response was, this, there really isn't this kind of or this the competition in the sense that most people think about it the truth is when people read one of these really good books they get interested in the genre itself and they're more likely to buy other books and i think it's the same with movies i think when you find yourself a really big fan of a particular genre or you watch a really good movie and there's another one similar to it or in the same vein or one that seems to strike the same chord with you I think those, it's only going to reinforce uh, uh, more people going to see those extra movies. Um, I'm stoked for both of them. Um, I, I, I agree with all that as much as I hate to agree with Jay's. I agree with all the, everything that he just said. Um, Wonder Woman has been around forever. A lot of people have been huge mega fans of Wonder Woman for a very long time. And Black Widow has really earned her place among the top superheroes. Um, from her positioning in uh, the MCU. Both of them are going to be, I think, really good movies. Um, I think they're both going to be powerhouse deliverers uh, of uh, of returns <clears throat> for their studios. Um, and I think they're only going to complement each other, um, much like the whole DC and Marvel uh, rivalry has done well for both uh, um, both properties. I think they've done well for both both properties. I don't know that they've done so well for one another in the movie universe. Marvel has hit multiple home runs while DC has had a few duds. In fact, probably the track record for DC Cinematic Universe or DC Universe, whatever they're calling it, is just relatively abysmal. First, first of all, in execution, but this then also in reception. People don't like DC as much as they like Marvel on film. I, the exception is Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman did was well received, both critically and by the fans. Plus, who doesn't love Gal Gadot? She's fine, and she she brings so much charm to the role, and she's perfect for it. She brings that exotic sense of <clears throat> just enough of uh, foreign uh, clout to make it feel like it's a, a, a some gravitas to the role of Wonder Woman, not just some you know. Jenny from the block dressed enough in a, a costume so that is Wonder Woman is more the exception to the rule in terms of I think DC and Marvel competing at the box office really really there's not a whole lot of competition at the box office no I don't think there has been but I think that's been that's been because DC's been putting up uh, their caliber has not been as high as a lot of the movies on the MCU docket. Now, Marvel has put out some stinkers too, but they've put out more good movies than DC has. So, uh, the, the and I Wonder Woman, I think, is one of the better ones that DC has put out. So, I think these two going head to head, I think it, it is for both properties, I think it's the right thing to do. In Endgame, we saw Black Widow sacrifice herself for the team. Do you think people will still connect with this character knowing her final fate? Or would it have been wiser of Marvel to make this movie before Endgame? Uh, spoiler alert! <laughs> Sorry, Soken, now you know. <laughs> Vader is uh, 
Luke's father too. While we're while we're on this kick of spoiling, prequels are are not a bad thing. Obviously, Star Wars has done prequels. Um, the MCU has actually already done prequels as well. Captain Marvel was a prequel. It's not necessarily unheard of for uh, to films to go backwards in time to add a little depth to the stories that we already know. You can have some of those in jokes uh, as as somebody looking back from the future into the past will get some kind of inside jokes that <clears throat> we might otherwise not get to get in, in a film that's just moving forward. Personally, no. I think that knowing her fate is going to add depth and richness. I would not even be surprised if perhaps the movie opens with the the death of Black Widow or some something from um, in-universe present and then maybe a flashback into what something that brought you know a full circle moment for for Black Widow I'm actually really excited to see how they're going to tie it all together one thing MCU does really really well is continuity and tying movies into one another so I don't think it's going to be a liability I think it's only going to be a very powerful strength so I have uh, the completely opposite opinion I think it was a mistake for them to uh, release Black Widow after we know she dies. I think the perfect time to have done a Black Widow movie is prior to Endgame, because that's when she was at the height of her popularity, and that's when people were dying for more Marvel superhero movies. Honestly, the fact that she's dead, or the fact that I know she's dead, makes me less interested in going to see that movie. Will I still? Eh. I probably will. I don't know if I'm going to catch it, you know, when it uh, when it first comes out. I'll probably see it. Knowing she's dead and knowing there's not a future for the character makes me less interested in knowing what, what's in those prequels. What happened in her past? Where did she go after um, helping Captain America uh, during Civil War? Like, eh, you know, she's dead. Um, I, uh, I hope she was happy, but there isn't anything coming... Uh, for the future for her. Um, I think they shoehorned in the Captain Marvel movie um, to try and give her a piece of Endgame, and uh, I'm not sure that that was the right decision. I think they should have switched these two. In terms of release? No, I, I don't think so. I think I, I stand by my my feelings. The, the Marvel Universe, for the most part, has continued to narratively move forward and forward and forward and forward, and there's, what, 30 films at least in in the universe now 24 for them to take a different tack and flashback and to pull something from history for a character who we now know that the story of that character one one of the the <clears throat> powerful abilities you have when you're telling that story is now we know her end so there's actually a, a real freedom to do some things with the character that you perhaps couldn't do if her story was still being told they can't really do something with Captain America even right now in terms of prequels because his story is still moving forward even though he's 100 or whatever now his story is moving forward it hasn't ended the the termination of her life of her journey gives you the opportunity to fill in those gaps that we didn't that we didn't know about in fact the movie I really really want to see is Budapest but with um, <clears throat> with Hawkeye and Black Widow. I would love to know the story of their friendship and how that came to be. Right. I am curious about Budapest, but I'm frankly, well, I've said this before, I'm less interested now that I know that she doesn't have a future, now that I know she's dead. It just, 
it it does something in my my brain and my heart and my soul to know that this character is already finished there isn't going to be a future and all i'm doing is looking at uh, a, uh, a film reel of of their life um prior to where i know they ended um, and granted, you know, you could objectively say that that's true about any character. They always have an end at some point somewhere. But I know where hers is. And I know that's already done. <clears throat> so it just loses it loses that appeal for me. It's not going to make this a bad movie, but I do think they would have been better positioned uh, before everybody knew she died. At least for a viewer like me. I, You can stand by your feelings. And in fact, Jace, I encourage it. Stand by your feelings. I'm going to stand by mine. Fair enough. Wonder Woman, similarly, had Steve ever sacrifice himself, but he's returned in 1984 and apparently hasn't aged. Any theories? Yeah. No, I'm clueless. To be honest with you, I don't have a clue. I mean, there's a million ways to bring back a comic book character, and they often do, but I don't have any idea how they're going to do it. They can't do what they did with Superman, sunshine him back alive, or... You know, give him a jolt of Kryptonian Uber. Or maybe a Kryptonian lift. If Uber's not available. <laughs> so, uh, Jace is one to not look up spoilers. However, I do not have that self-discipline. And I have looked up a number of theories. Some of them are actually really, really interesting. The one that I think is less likely, although it is kind of interesting is that it's uh, Martian Manhunter who has uh, put himself in the shape of Steve Trevor um, to potentially recruit her to the Justice League. Um, and that seems less likely. Um, seems like it would cause more conflict because they were dishonest with her. I'm not sure that that's a, a theory that stands out. However, the one I like is that your favorite, Jace, Pedro Pascal, mm -hmm. he's in this and he's playing Maxwell Lord. Um, if you recall the trailers, the guy with the blonde hair that's on the TV talking about, you know, how you can have everything you dream of, you just have to want it bad enough, blah, blah, blah. Do you remember that in the trailer? Yes, absolutely. So that's Pedro Pascal. It didn't anything. I actually had to look it up. Um, but that character is Maxwell Lord, who has rather powerful mind control abilities. Um, and at one point in the trailer, he says something like, and now it's time for me to get what's mine, which to me indicates that he probably made a deal with Diana at some point. Uh, and that may have been the deal. Like maybe he just said, I can give you what you want most. And at a moment of weakness, that's what she wanted. And so Steve Trevor is just in her head throughout the movie, which I think is a really interesting hook. Um, I would hate that. That's depressing. Like, she loved it. It is, him. but he's. He, I, yeah, I mean, but he is dead. And his sacrifice was supposed to have meant something. I think to just call him back, uh, kind of, I don't know, it, it cheapens that sacrifice. Um, and I think it has the really, really good potential. When you have a character like Wonder Woman, it's kind of like a character like Superman. They're super powerful. They can do so many things. Um, they're not really in much danger. 
by their enemies, what risks or what challenges do they face? And a lot of times it's in their own head. And I think if that's the case with this, I think it's going to be it's going to be very cool to watch. It would certainly be compelling, but it would make me feel sad at the end of the movie because I just want Diana to feel happy and I don't want her to be depressed that he's dead again all over. It was already traumatic enough to have him blow himself up at the end of the last movie. Now we have to do it again? No, that's too much loss for poor Diana. <laughs> well, you're, you're not wrong. But there's a reason Batman is like the prodigal son of the DC Universe. The Dark Knight, the... Yeah, I mean, he's... He's like me, but with a with a bad costume and skills and weapons and money, money. and charm. <laughs> I am super excited to see Kristen Wiig as, as Cheetah. Kristen Wiig is hilarious to me, and I'm very fascinated to see what kind of a, what kind of a performance she's going to bring to the thing. Is it going to be funny? I kind of hope not, just because I don't want it to be a goofy movie. But at the same time, I love laughing at Kristen Wiig. So Kristen Wiig, I think, is a she's a great actor and she's hilarious when she wants to be i think though i've seen other comedic actors put on really good dramatic roles and i don't know if i've seen kristen wiig in a dramatic role but i'd like to because other comedians that have done it i mean um jim carrey who is one of the goofiest most slapstick comedians out there can do a movie like the majestic and do it well Oh man, like to me that that seems almost more impactful. I'd like to see her do it. I would say really quickly, Kristen Wiig had a dramatic role with um, Bill Hader when they were, I believe they were twins or something in this film, and she, her her performance was really fantastic. The Skeleton Twins—that's what it's called—and it's really really good. The Skeleton Twins—is that one of those movies that like just released in like fifteen theaters? Yeah, probably. It was about five years ago or so. Alright, we've had a few other female lead superhero-verse movies, Marvel, the upcoming Birds of Prey come to mind, but there's a massive roster to choose from. Are there any leading ladies you wish would get their turn on the big screen sooner rather than later? I was looking up female superheroes that have not been like on the big screen. There's of course a ton that haven't been the leading roles um, in in uh, superhero movies but I was I was hoping for one that just hadn't been featured at all and the one that stuck out to me that I think has probably one of the more captivating and interesting uh, backstories of them all is Raven from the Teen Titans I've seen her in uh, obviously the silly cartoon uh, but I saw her in the more serious cartoon and, and she's been represented on TV I don't think she's been in a movie and her backstory to me is really captivating. It's an entity, uh, you, a person, we'll call her a person, but the child of a demon um, that is struggling with her own inner darkness, um, standing against the darkness of her own father and a ridiculously powerful evil, evil, evil father. To me, that makes for very, very compelling dynamics. Not only between her and the other characters that she's going to be working with. Do they trust her? Does she even trust herself? That, to me, makes for really interesting stories that I want to watch. Plus, she's she's kind of B.A., so I like to see her throw and that magic around. Interestingly enough, um, Raven 
in the DC Universe online game has a storyline where uh, Triton, her father, is the big bad, and you kind of team up with her in the in the MMO to to beat him. And yep. it's a really good storyline. It feels, you know, pretty deep, dark, and compelling. She is a pretty cool character. She um she does show up in the DC Universe television show Titans and season one I thought did her really well but season two did did drop the ball a little bit with with what they could have done with her it would it would be kind of neat to see her on on the big screen and like a dark fantasy type type movie Um, my number one pick is somebody who's already been on the screen prior in with a couple different actresses but Storm has always been one of my very favorite superhero ones I just love weather wizards anyway um, that's just such a cool power set for me, and then you add to that the the story of her her backstory of being, you know, like a an African. Well, they worshipped her as a goddess for a little while, in fact. Um, but I really think they could do a cool story, kind of in the vein of Black Panther, perhaps. Um, but she's even though it's a little bit cliche. Yeah, we've seen we've seen Storm be played by Halle Berry, and and then in the most recent the the new universe. Uh, I don't know the actress's name, can't think of it, but, you know, I do think Aurora Monroe, Storm, the the Kenyan person, would be a very great and interesting movie to watch. I would love to watch it. I agree. Wasn't she an orphan who was raised by a witch who taught her, like, you know, how to to channel, capture and channel the power of of the weather? So as, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the backstories. There aren't, with all comic book superheroes you know there's multiple different backstories that kind of come together but yes that that is i think the one that is the most agreed canon one yeah and her her growth and development from from that to you know being a true a leader and a, and a champion and you know she ran the x-men i mean she's she's definitely the kind of character that um is the kind of inspiration that you want a superhero character to be totally i think she'd be great one thing as an aside i would love for them to do the the way that they put the avengers together they had that long 10-year plan and they started with individual movies and then they formed the team it really would be really it really would be really satisfying for for i think once the x-men start to come into the mcu for them to do a similar thing i don't think that they will i think that they'll keep the x-men together from movie one but i would love to see um a professor x movie and a storm movie and a beast movie to see kind of their individual backstories weave together like they did in you know iron man thor captain america into the avengers i really really liked how they built that movie it it, by the time they got to the avengers we had enough backstory for each of them that you could just jump right into the film and be on the ride and I, I liked the way they did that. It would satisfy me for them to do that with the X-Men as well. Yeah, that that, that Avengers, um, oh, that end game. It was, it was such a powerful moment to see the Avengers assemble on screen. Not just because, you know, most people who are fans of the genre understand the significance of it, but because even the folks who aren't, who have just been a part of the movies, to have to have seen i mean this uh well, i was uh, i'd mentioned earlier the new black widow is the 24th movie in the mcu it there's just so much 
there's so much history so much awesome character development progression and all that yes to to see it all coalesce on screen in that huge finale oh it was such an epic moment that's where i think dc has not done the same kind of job they have not taken the time to build up their own characters and frankly the movies i don't think are they're not as good they're not bad but they're not as good um but but the audiences haven't been given the opportunity to develop that kind of history with those characters and so the payoff just wasn't i mean it wasn't anything close both films are due to release in 2020 and the superhero nerds inside us just can't wait to see two of the big ticket superheroines of comics duke it out in the box office On December 10th, Sony released an announcement video, which revealed a number of things, including a new Kingdom Hearts expansion, a Resident Evil 3 remake, and a new battle royale called Spellbreak. To start us off, let's talk about Kingdom Hearts, which I know means that we very well could be here for a while. It's one of the biggest JRPG franchises of all time. Are you guys fans? Um, can, can you repeat the name? What was it? can't tell if you're making fun of me because I managed to mispronounce it somehow or if <laughs> no. you legitimately are like making a joke about not knowing. The joke is that I could give a crap about Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts to me is like, you know, when you're a kid and you just kind of dump out your toy box and you have all of your peoples all together and like the Daleks are fighting the Stormtroopers are fighting the Transformers. That's the type of feeling I get from that game. And I don't it's not made to appeal to a middle-aged man, so I, it does not appeal to me. I don't want Captain Picard to be on the bridge of the Millennium Falcon. Uh, it's just not exciting to me. See, I said bridge because Captain Picard belongs on a bridge. It's a cockpit. There, there's You can't even blend these universes together. I, I guess there's, for a young person, perhaps there is an excitement to see all the princesses and the cartoon characters and the, you know, the Pixar people do stuff together. But for me... I couldn't be less excited. I, I just, I just as soon not even know it exists. I don't know what I'm more excited about here. The fact that I get to disagree with Jace again, or the fact that Jace gets to be the Bahamba curmudgeon that just doesn't want to talk about something, and I get to geek out about it. Put, put, uh, put it on your calendars, guys. <laughs> uh, okay, so Kingdom Hearts uh, was a game I played with my with my new bride back in the early 2000s. Oh. And it was the first game she and I actually played side by side together. Um, so for me, it has that kind of nauseating nostalgic value um we you know would wait until the other one could be there before we would play it anymore we would we'd talk about it after we had had played a bit um and it was i don't know it serves in my heart my cold black heart your um, kingdom heart <laughs> ooh, ooh, i like that it serves as just a really fond memory of 
a, a universe that neither of us had to know very well because it was relatively new with a whole bunch of Disney characters that we already knew. Um, and it was an okay story. So it's got, it's got a lot of that appeal to me. However, <laughs> this, I'll be honest, I haven't played any of the Kingdom Hearts games since. They just got kind of silly, and as JRPGs do, they got a little redonkulous. <laughs> and so, eh, I, we lost interest. Um, so I'm, I'm a nostalgic fan, but I'm not a strong enough fan to want to play the next one. That makes sense. What if, what if you can have a create another nostalgia and play it with your daughter? Oh, man, that's a good idea. No, probably not. It's a it's a console console game. <laughs> you can't lower yourself to that level. <laughs> I mean, I could before I knew what a console peasant was, but now I know too much. I can't do it. I, I will tell you this: I had a learning moment in the research for the show because I always, whole life, as, as anytime I've ever said, you know, we all use the acronyms all the time for stuff: SWOTOR, ESO, DC, whatever. JRPG. I really thought it meant junior role-playing game. My whole life, I had no idea that it meant Japanese, and so. The, it kind of surprised me to know that no, this isn't a game for junior, you know, young people. It was, it is in the genre of a of Japanese role playing games. I did not know that. Y'all are old. Yeah. All right. Well, even if you aren't particularly into Kingdom Hearts yourselves, what do you think about the fact that the expansion has been priced at around thirty dollars? So I think I'm going to channel Jace here and <laughs> say, I don't know, I don't care. <laughs> uh, it's going to be whatever people are going to pay for it. And um, I don't know, fan, who, people who are super fan. I mean, Kingdom Hearts has a rather significant following. Yeah, and, there is a huge fan base for sure. Yeah, I, I imagine they're going to have tons of people who are going to pay 30 bucks just because it has Kingdom Hearts on it. Like, oh, it's more, it's more, it's more. Yum, 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 yum. And they're gonna pay for it. I'm not. Yeah, the market will decide whether that price. To me, fifteen dollars for an expansion, twenty dollars at the most. When you're not building base game, when you're not expanding, even sometimes if you are giving more classes and more abilities, you know that's the an expansion really isn't um, redevelopment. It's taking a few new tricks that maybe didn't make it into the initial launch and putting it into uh, like a, a, a little mini re-experience of that game. I'm, I'm not a fan. I don't love that price point for that. Uh, I, and I don't know how much content is coming out. I don't know, you know if it's 8 hours, 10 hours, 30 hours. I have no idea. If it's the, an equal number of content hours as the initial release, you know, $30 might be a good deal. I could see that. But if it's if it's not if it's just another world because I think that they go to like worlds like from Disney life or like they go to was it Avalon or Avondale right they they go to the the yeah, Pirates of the, the Caribbean stories, islands the and they the they go to those places if they're adding a single or two it, it just doesn't seem like it's worth the price point to me the way you get um, uh, the way you get me and Jace to to spend money on games is. Uh, if we get horse armor or new hats. <laughs> yeah, I will drop money to pimp out my character. 
and my house. If we're decorating houses, I, you, you, you don't even want to know how much money I've spent <laughs> decorating houses. Yeah. But there has to be other people that play. <laughs> like if it's the single player game, there's a limit. But if it's multiplayer, oh, it's on. So Sims developers, if you're out there, we want an MMO. <laughs> yes. My first MMO was Sims Online. Just an aside, we can move on. Right. There's a resident so Resident Evil. I'm just gonna start that over. Resident Evil. There's a lot of those games too, because we've we've talked about some some large scale franchises. Yeah, tons yeah. of them. They've announced another remake, and this is not the first time they've remade one of their games. This time they're remaking Resident Evil Three, but it begs the question: Is this a good thing for them to be doing? Do we like that they're doing this? Um, they're remaking their classic, critically acclaimed games, or do we think they should be focusing on new titles? Because I don't think many companies want to be the new Bethesda, re-releasing the same thing over and over. So, I think uh, Resident Evil is one of those games that um, it has, it's expanded beyond um, what was its original appeal. Um, it, has, it has attempted to add more and more and more to itself uh, to try and up the ante, to try and make the game fresh, and to try and bring more to the story. Um, and I think what it has suffered in the process is it's completely lost its foundations. It's it's no longer the kind of game that uh, attracted its original fan base. So the thing that made Resident Evil uh, awesome at its inception is that it was a zombie horror survival game. And it has since expanded beyond that because while there were hints of a, a greater entity a greater power some you know puppet master behind the scenes controlling it in order to pull back the curtain it really went to crazy depths um the the things umbrella was doing the kinds of mutations and like all the weird stuff that happened like it detracted from its roots it went from horror survival to action and that's not necessarily a bad thing. There's tons of um, demand for action games, but they they forgot their roots. And folks who are interested in that, I think these are smart moves. Um, the Resident Evil franchise is trying to make themselves appealing to a new generation who are accustomed to better graphics and better responsiveness um, and, and just more updated games. And those players get to experience what was the thing that made resident evil great and terrifying it broke a lot of ground um and it set a lot of trends but they're they're kind of they're kind of routine now um to experience those in high def i think i think it's a smart move for them bloody blah 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 first off i hate zombies hate zombies i mean this, you can be wrong this whole segment is just me giving into my hate i guess so I'm, i don't know i I guess I should just get over it and do it. But no, I don't want a, a zombie movie. I mean, a zombie video game. That's my personal preference, and, and I can accept that. But to the point of the question, why in the world would you take a game that's already made and remake it? I've really never understood that. Anytime any game has done that, unless you're going back to 
you know something where where the graphics were just a little bit pathetic and you can really expand on the on the world maybe tell the same story but in a completely new gameplay remake a a more linear game into an open world game i don't know if, if you're not really changing the experience i don't get it because i already had that narrative i've already had that that story told in my head and been through it i don't really want to have game developers lose their creativity and say i can't think of another good idea let's just take an old idea and make it shiny again this i'm not a fan of that i don't i whether we're talking about zombies or not one of my very favorite game experiences was uh star wars the old republic no 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 uh knights of the old republic might be i i really really loved that game and i loved the i played it a couple times even three or four times i don't want them to remake it now, if I want to play it again, I want to go back and play it again and experience it again. I probably won't like it as much as I did because, you know, technology spoils us, etc., etc. But truly, I don't need them to take that particular story and let me play through it again with, with shinier stuff. I've done it. If you want to move the medium, make it a movie, make it a television series, something like that, I'm, I'm interested. But as far as video games go, there's an infinite number of stories to tell in an infinite number of universes why would you just take the same a b c d and put it back out there again i don't get it i think i think jace you're looking at this from the perspective of a uh, a super creative person and i'm with you i'd much rather see a new take on what resident evil did well uh, as opposed to them simply remaking but i do think these are made for a, a new audience. They're they're meant to bring in a new fan base. Um, I'm I'm not going to play Knights of the Old Republic again either. Um, but even if I wanted to go back and play, I'm I'm the same as you. If I'm going to go back and play the Knights of the Old Republic, the graphics are dated. Like the the gameplay feels clunky. I just I can't I can't put myself through it. Uh, as much as I might have loved the story. And I think a lot of gamers, particularly younger gamers, experience that same thing as older gamers like you and me. As as we talk up these games, as how awesome they were, how groundbreaking they were, how, how phenomenal they were, when they turn them on and they see, Ugh, this looks like it was made in 2001. And because it was, they're not willing to jump in and play it. And this changes that dynamic, I think. But, like, do you really need to remake Citizen Kane? Like, there's a reason things are a classic. And you let the classic speak for itself. It existed in a point in time, and it impacted that particular culture, that particular t region in space, that zeitgeist. And then we moved on from it. I don't. That's one of my real peeves, is when people get in loops and want to repeat and circle around let's move forward let's let's you know respect what was there people grew from it and loved it and if you if you young whippersnappers out there experience it experience it like it was meant to be experienced like in its in its in its own window of time i don't i really don't understand the remake mentality in in to a large degree i don't understand it Speaking of games that maybe have been best left in the past or things that we've just generally moved on from, 
We, I think we touched on in a previous episode that there were a lot of MMOs and that that number has then declined. It seems that we moved on from MMOs to battle royales, and now the general consensus that I've seen so far has been that battle royales are in turn on their way out. Yet Sony has now announced that they are releasing a new one with Spellbreak. Do you think Spellbreak will give the battle royale genre a revival, or is it just too late? Um, I'm not a huge fan of battle royales, as I believe I said when we spoke about them. This particular game does pique my interest a little bit, and and that's mainly because they're calling it an RPG battle royale. I'm not really sure what that experience will be like, but just those words together make me feel like it's got a little more depth to it. And, and one of my criticisms of those battle royales is that there really isn't a lot of depth. There really isn't a lot about building your character and getting to know your character and making decisions about what your character can and cannot do. There's, it's shallower. And it really is more about button mashing and beating someone up um, on the other side of the planet. If they can enrich that experience and then you take your masterpiece of a character that you've been working on or built up or, or are in the process of developing and you put that then into you know, an arena of some sort, a battle royale of some kind, and the choices that you've made or even the backstory as this uber nerd might say uh, can, can be experienced in a fight that, that appeals to me a little more. It gives depth and, and maybe some uh, richness to an experience that I find shallow. Um, so I'm I don't I'm kind of intrigued by the by the game to be honest with you. I may actually check it out. <laughs> I'm not at all intrigued. <laughs> I don't want to play that. I, I it does nothing for me. Um, at battle royales, just in general, I'm I, I'm with Jace. They are uninteresting to me. Um, and this one, I've watched some trailers and read a little bit. It just, it does nothing for me. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to revive the genre. I'm not sure if it's doomed to flop. Um, I'm actually, frankly, I'm not motivated to do enough research to even have a strong opinion one way or the other. Um, the, the whole genre can, can go fly a kite as far as I'm concerned. Um, the thing that I do like is that it keeps, um, Keeps a lot of the uh, keeps a lot of the trolls and a lot of the turd burglars occupied, so they're not messing with us in other games. Um, whether or not, uh, well, so back to the to the previous statement as well about MMOs and how they're slowing down. What I think is happening with battle royales is that the market is settling for them as well. And the better ones are going to be the ones who survive, and the garbage ones are going to be the ones that die. Just like has, hap has happened with MMOs and will happen with every video game genre ever. Um, if Spellbreak turns out to be well done, if it turns out that it has developers that care, and that are paying attention to fans once, and are giving the fans the kind of fast-paced... Um, updates and additions to the game then it'll survive it'll last if they don't deliver that it's gonna die the death that i couldn't care less about um i'm not i'm not saying i'm chomping at the bit but I, one of the other things i really like about this particular game and looking at some of the trailers the the art design while not photorealistic is pretty um it looks kind of like if you've watched 
uh, Dragon Prince on Netflix, which I'm a huge fan of, there's a very similar kind of feel to the art direction. And that also is perhaps one of the things that appeals to me. I'm not against PvP. In fact, I actually really like PvP when it's fun and deep and there's more to it than just button mashing. I like using different abilities that kind of play off of one another. Um, I, I was pretty pretty active in the PvP community in SWOTOR, in fact, and, and was a part of a pretty fun team. You play Hutball? I did. I loved Hutball. Um, Alderaan was my favorite arena, though. <clears throat> but the if you can take that type of experience, those deeper, richer feelings because you know my, my character jace drayson was jedi on the council but then he could go to alderaan and, and face smash against some sith inquisitors that was fun there was there was something to it that that wasn't just about seeing how quickly i could put my thumb on a piece of plastic um if if i can feel that way in spell break i might play spell break um and i and i love the way it looks yeah i've got a similar perspective on pvp there just has to be some depth to it. The the thing royales that uh, they they just don't appeal to me in there. Uh, what was the word you used, Jace? Frenetic pace mm -hmm. at which things happen. Like that to me is enough to turn me off from wanting to play them. Um, however, PvP can be fast paced. PvP can be crazy. Uh, but so long as there is some depth to it and stuff matters and there's a little bit of strategy involved, yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. That, I need that's some what strategy. I'm down for. All right. Well, regardless of how we feel on Kingdom Hearts and expansions and the raising of dead, I can promise you that we are not, in fact, heartless. Well, uh, I see what you did there. So here at the Soken Podcast, we are sadly not entirely immune to the whims of all recorded media and the way it is aired and released. And because of that, that does mean that this is the Christmas episode. Or holidays in general. So let's talk about the holidays. Uh, do you guys, how do, what do you celebrate? I celebrate <laughs> being off work and having time to myself. That's my favorite thing to celebrate. Privacy. Time to myself, man. Oh, I wish. The holidays are like the opposite of that. The holidays are when friends and family that you haven't seen in a year, family that you're not going to see for another year, are all thrust upon you in your, yeah. in your immediate space. There is that. Um, and this year I'm probably going to have more of that than I ever have before as I'm having house guests for this Christmas. I've never had Christmas house guests so yeah there's gonna be people on top of me sorry not literally on top of me i'm married y'all relax but it's gonna be a lot of humans and i have a, a relatively big family so i also have a bigger house than i have had previously and people are going to want to come here and do I've, in fact i've already been told we're having a christmas karaoke night for the family which i'm mm. not you guys can't for you can't see sil but i think he's fanning himself right now after that hot spicy take I make a lot of money during that because my mother, the reason she wants to do it is so she can hear me sing stuff. And so I always say, no, 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 I'm not going to sing until she starts bribing me with cash. And it has worked for the majority of my adulthood. And so I, you know, I'll probably make a buck. 
Gotta replenish the coffers after that that Christmas spending. Exactly. Yeah, that's good family holiday. I'll whore myself out for a little money. I do enjoy um, food, family food. Uh, we have a tradition in my family where we get together on Christmas Eve, not Christmas Day or Christmas morning, and celebrate. And we always have like a Mexican fiesta type thing. So we have tamales and guacamole and cheese dip and margaritas. And I'm not sure where that that um, particular tradition came from, but I love Alcoholism. it because <laughs> yeah, those are all things that I love. So it's always a really super fun party um, to have with with everyone we've been doing it since i've been little always so i'm excited about the mexican food fiesta christmas feliz navidad y'all yeah we do um we normally have a big have a big meal um we do the old gift giving around the tree um this year so my wife has a rather large family and uh, it's like 50 plus people that all get together and they alternate holidays so they do like this year we did thanksgiving so we're doing christmas at my parents um next year it'll be the the reverse um but when we do christmas at my uh, my parents house my mom really likes to play santa's elf so she will so oh, yeah. she'll go to the tree and she makes sure that it is stocked with presents and then she wants to be the one who like she's an older woman and it's tough for her to like crawl on the floor but she insists on doing it anyway so you can hear like joints cracking as she like gets over there poor thing have you gotten her a life alert <laughs> not yet not yet um, but she goes to the tree and she, she sits down and then she usually gets a couple of her grandkids, you know, my, my kids and my brother's kids over to help. She's like, grab, grab me, grab, uh, grab me that present over there. And she'll grab her. it. And then she'll like, oh, this one's for Billy. And she'll hand it off. Oh, this one's for so-and-so. As if it's a surprise to her. <laughs> And look at what I found. Santa yeah. made it again this year, you guys. Right. Um, and I think, you know, man, that is just her best day is getting under that tree and handing out all these presents that, you know, she very thoughtfully and lovingly went out and got and wrapped and wrote, you know, from Santa. She still does that for me and my brother. From Santa. Traditions of Christmas time, which are ye who has the biggest living room shall host the family gathering, and yeah. ye who is the youngest shall be the fetcher of gifts. Unless my mom is involved. <laughs> and then she insists on slow crawling herself over to the tree to do it herself. I find that it's down. difficult to give gifts to adults, like the uncles and the. Like, it. it what there what do you need what do you want i don't know it's like your parents it's a little bit easier because you know them really well you can shop for something they might have for instance my mother has been saying for about six months she wants a new mailbox great get her a mailbox call it done but like uncle jeff who i see twice a year and he's coming into town what, what the hell do i get uncle jeff i don't know i usually just get him like gift cards to restaurants because i don't know what i don't know what grown men like Here's gas money. <laughs> I don't know what grown men like. Somehow Jace, 
I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that kind of Christmas, okay? So, yeah, I found Send to be the go-to, and yeah, for folks that folks that don't know well, man, I'm at a loss too. Heck, I'm even at a loss for folks I am close to. I am so glad I have a super thoughtful and conscientious wife because she'll tell me, "Hey, I have an idea for your brother." I'm like, "Oh, high five! Christmas is done." Me and my brother don't give gifts. It's a long time pact we've had that we don't get gifts for each other because we're, we stress about stuff. Both of us are pretty anxious guys. And so we we made a pact, I don't know, it's probably been 10 years ago. No pre Christmas present from me to you, no Christmas present from you to me. And we've stuck by it. And it's like a high five every year. Thanks for taking off the pressure, man. Oh, I would love that. My brother and I are the opposite. Like one of us will buy the other a gift and then hope the other one doesn't have one so that we can lord it over them for an entire year. Hey, you remember that one time I bought you a present and you didn't buy me one? Yeah, I remember. Oh, we do that. That is the depth of our relationship. We do that. My my brother owes me $83 still from two Christmases ago when we were going to get my mom a Keurig and go in on it together. Um, we didn't go in on it together and I'm still waiting for my $83 payback. <laughs> but does That's what I'm going to get for Christmas, an invoice. Have you guys ever done the scavenger hunt for gifts? Never. Mm -hmm. um, I've done scavenger hunts when my child was very small. I love scavenger hunts. I like the, I like laying clues and, and stuff, but I, we've never done it for gifts, no. I just remember one Christmas they made my dad go like all around the house. He had to drive to someone else's house and then drive back to find his present. And it was hilarious. It went on for like 30 minutes. And then I think it was like something that could fit in a lunchbox. <laughs> Man, that would be great. I wish I had a dad with a sense of humor. That would be so <laughs> cool. <laughs> and now the real Christmas feelings start to come out. Ah, uh, Christmas. Uh, Christmas. Ah. How, how old were you guys when you stopped believing in Santa? I was... I think seven or eight. And I remember asking my parents very pointed questions because we were living in an apartment in Germany um, back when it was still east-west Germany my dad was stationed there uh, he was in the army and I I was like hey we don't have a chimney in this apartment how does this fat dude get in this place and they were like oh he comes in the sliding glass door I was like nope we lock it every night <laughs> <laughs> This we were talking about personality tests earlier. This fits my personality to a T. Very skeptical, very analytical. I did not believe them. And you know, when they finally relented and told me, okay, no spoiler alert, uh, listeners, there is no Santa. I was actually mad at them because they had lied to me. For one hundred percent. My next question was, well, is there a God? Ooh. And they assured me that that one was true. But, like, <laughs> it, it's trust-breaking, isn't it? I, I yeah. believed in Santa way too old, first of all. I was more like 10 or 11 because Santa Claus actually came to my house one time and brought me a puppy. And I was little, probably six years old. 
So no one was convincing me there was no Santa Claus. I've seen him. My friends at school would try to tell me there's no such thing. I was like, y'all are wrong. I've seen him. He's been to my house and brought me a puppy, guys. He's real. I seen it. I uh I discovered that my parents were lying to me on an accident one Christmas Eve as I watched my mother um pull up a, a Smurf toy out of out of a box. And it was, and I remember it was a Smurf with an astronaut helmet on. And I thought, if that's there tomorrow morning, that means there's no Santa. And sure enough, my brother got a Smurf toy that next morning with an astronaut helmet. These sons of blanks, I can't believe they've been lying to me all this. Literally, my first question was like, well, is God real? <laughs> I had a similar, like I, I saw him wrapping presents. And I remember thinking, if that says from Santa, they're full of it. <laughs> and they did. And they I were. I can't say that I remember when I stopped believing in Santa, because I don't really think that I can remember a time when I necessarily did. Really? Um, I think I definitely did at some point. I just, I can't recall when that changed. Um... I remember, like, I was caught up in the ritualistic parts of it, but if you asked me, like, about Santa as a person, I was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, like, he was he was an idea, but it never really felt like he was, like, an actual person to me. And then, when... Sorry, go. Yeah, and then, I, but I do remember at one point asking, I think my mother flat out told me, I was like, so what about Santa? And she's like, if you believe in Santa, you get presents. And I said, I believe in Santa. <laughs> That's the deal. <laughs> I remember when uh, my my wife and I we had our first daughter. It was actually a point of contention between us. You know, you you have a lot of you have a lot of interesting conversations when you have your first kid that you didn't anticipate. Like, what are our disagreements with parenting? And Santa turned out to be one of them for us. Where I remember the uh, I guess anger, feeling of betrayal. I had when uh, my parents finally told me and I was like aha I knew it you've been lying to me like it was not it wasn't a pleasant like oh I'm in on it now like it was a really negative experience and I was like I don't want to put my kids through that so my wife and I had a big disagreement about whether or not to teach our kids about Santa whether or not to carry on that um, that myth and she eventually won me over with there's something magical about the holidays and there's something magical about childhood you can't ever recapture it and so let's embrace it and let's let them enjoy it while they can before they turn into the cynical adult that I am but it's just so such a stark difference between before and after like I, literally i remember thinking as soon as the santa puzzle began to crumble so there's probably not unicorns there's no pegasuses <laughs> like magic isn't real nothing is gonna matter and yeah i started to i had i remember having a role player life is hard man life is rough <laughs> Growing up is like the dumbest thing you can do. <laughs> totally. And and it's the one thing I wanted more than anything when I was a kid. Now that I'm there, I'm looking back like, how dumb were you? <laughs> well, they, they sold me on it. I was a total gold. How about um, Christmas lights? Do you put up Christmas lights on your house? 
Uh, no. But my wife does. <laughs> T, you do it. Uh, we don't put up lights. I, I have tried. I have asked. I have whined and cried. But it has yet to happen. Uh, in all of my years of childhood complaining. But we do decorate the inside of the house. I mean, we, we put up the Christmas tree, we decorate, like, we have a banister, and so, like, we'll wrap I fake ivy around the banister, and usually there's other things hanging around the house. Um, I have noticed as I got older, I didn't participate as much in the decorating process. So, like, especially because I would start, I slept in more and more. So I would just wake up and suddenly the house was decked out for Christmas. Oh, that's a way to live. I love decorating for Christmas. It's it's a very happy ritual for me. I have two Christmas trees that I put up. One is like the traditional tree from the ornaments when I was young that I've collected through my life. And one is my geek tree with my Star Wars and Star Trek starships on it. I love putting up lights around the house and the yard. We put up decor all over the place. So, you know, I even change out like the, the cup towels that you hang on the oven. Yeah, my wife even changes our porch lights to red and green. Um, Jay, so are you the type who sings Christmas carols as you're wandering the house, putting up decorations? Um, yes. Not only sings them, I have Alexa in the house, and I we've already, Alexa and I have been through all the Christmas songs a couple of times. When I come home even and cook during the Christmas season, I have her playing Christmas carols. Not necessarily carols, <laughs> I don't love the carols as much as I like, like the traditional old standards. I like those kind of Christmas songs more than I like christmas carols what about you t it depends entirely on i'm with and whether or not i am being subjected to hearing them or if i'm able to choose to hear them i can't stand them <laughs> chestnuts roasting on an open pie i love now you want to do like carol of the bells or like uh the Trans-Siberian oh, Orchestra. Oh no! Christmas in Sarajevo. That's the like... only good one. That one gives me anxiety. Ring all the bells. Ring all the bells. Ring all the bells. Ring all the bells. I actually have Christmas in Sarajevo set as my alarm right now, so I wake up to that every morning. Um, I'm not sure what that's doing to my Christmas spirit, but we will see if it uh, survives the season intact. The holidays are subjective. Anyway, we here at Zoken hope the listeners have a happy holiday, regardless of whatever you celebrate, full of joy, love, and ideally, some sick gifts. This week for Tea Time, we have a question submitted by Ophalo from Soken's Divine Conclave. It's Ophalo, but he oh. loves Ophalo. <laughs> he really Ophalo. does. <laughs> I am so sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas! Anyway, he asks, Leo, how old are you and what was Christmas like in the year zero? Uh, Alright. I'm old enough to be Ophelo's dad. <laughs> I'm sure. If Probably I had kids. Scientifically. Super young, yeah. <laughs> um... I'm also not the oldest person on this podcast, so I really appreciate this insinuation. And in the year zero, there was no Christmas because it was it was zero. 
Actually, technically, he wasn't. According to the best estimates of the biblical scholars, Jesus was actually born in 4 BC. So he would have been four years old in the year zero. <clears throat> but there was no Christmas. But no, there would not have been Christmas yet, as they would not have been celebrating the birth of a five-year-old who they did not know, according to the um, the Christmas, I mean, the, the Christian belief that he is the Messiah. This is true. They would not have been. In fact, I believe that um, at that time. This is my question, Jace. Actually, if you read the parentheses, it says Leo and Jace's reactions on the script. <laughs> I'm an oh, actor, God, no, and I follow the script. Come on, man. <laughs> anyway, I believe the Romans were practicing Saturnalia at that time. It was a winter holiday that they did, and I learned that in Latin class in 10th grade. I mean, Christmas really is it's an amalgamation of a, of a number of, um, you know, old cultural celebrations and traditions that have all kind of culminated in the holidays we know today. Um, so there were probably elements of Christmas in the year zero, Ophelo, but not Christmas as you know it. Oof. Anyway, so uh, with the near miss of debating the history, uh, historical history, I'm doing great, guys. The history <laughs> of the Christmas holidays, uh, which, yeah, that's a whole podcast by itself. Uh, anyway, thank you for that. Yeah, no. Thanks for that. No, thank you for that, Ophelo. I'm glad he called out you and not me. <laughs> now for our actual tea time question from Daphne from Sokin's Invictus Imperium Guild. They ask, what is your Christ what is your favorite Christmas movie with the addendum and why is it Die Hard? I love that question. I mean, I I am in the camp that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I know that there's like this cultural debate about whether it is or isn't, but it certainly is not my favorite. And I assume that maybe heterosexuals consider that the best Christmas movie. I don't know. I'm culturally blind. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's like aliens like it. I don't know. I don't. I don't live that life. <laughs> I, um, my favorite Christmas movie of all time is Elf with the ever hilarious Will Ferrell. That film will crack me up every time I watch it, and it has some real classic one-liners throughout. It is by far, to me, the best Christmas movie ever made, Elf. If you haven't seen it, go out and rent it immediately. So I have a short list. I, I, I have a real hard time picking favorites, so I made a, I made a short list of my favorites. Four movies. And I'll say, Jace, Elf is on there. Elf is one of my top four. Um, I agree. Will Ferrell, man, that guy is just funny standing there. I I like it. Um, in funny, but in a different way. I like Bad Santa. Oh, man. There's something about Billy Bob Thornton being the worst human being on screen and still liking him that makes that... One of my all-time favorite Christmas movies. I've actually oh. never seen Bad Santa. Oh, no. You need to rectify that immediately. It's surprisingly... Okay. It's got... It, it's got every... It, it's got vulgarity. It's got gratuitous sex. It's got uh, drinking alcohol. It's got um, clearly irresponsible adults doing irresponsible things. But it still has kind of a wholesome message to it at the end like it's and it's it's still ironic and funny about it it it's just a, it's a really good movie very very funny 
highly recommend. The sound of is a wonderful family film. Yeah, yeah, it's one to take the kids to. <laughs> An NC-17 Christmas. Yeah. One to take the kids to is Scrooged. That one is funny. Bill Murray? Yes, I do love Scrooged. That's a good one. A comedic god. Um, and in Scrooged, ah, he is, he's on point. It's a good story. It's still, a, it's a good holiday message, and it's well delivered, well executed. Very, very good. Can't believe neither of you out here mentioning Express, the singular title of the holidays when you were in the public school system. So I think I was too old to really love Polar Express. I was a grown man when that came out, and I so I'm sure it's great, but it wasn't it wasn't seminal to me. <clears throat> Santa Claus the movie was a seminal Christmas film to me when I was I was a child, and that's the one with Dudley Moore where he's an elf and you know the kid has to save Christmas like they often do. Yeah, I, w I was figuring It's a Wonderful Life would have been when you were a kid, Jace. But, hard, um, hard, hard, hard. Yeah, the remake on Lifetime, maybe. <laughs> uh, no, I, I was also too old for Polar Express. Like, when it came out, my, you know, I thought my kids might have liked it, but my kids didn't really like it either. Yeah. Okay, so I just Googled this to make sure I knew when this movie actually came out, which was in 2004. Uh, so I was four years old when this movie came out. Oh my goodness. I, I was older was, than that. I was a first lieutenant in the U.S. Army. I so was not interested in the Polar Express. I was already working in the agency I'm still working in today. That uh, that puts a little bit of reference on the frame of age brackets that we yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Jace is older than me, Apollo. Barely. If you'd like to submit a tea time question for the podcast, head on over to SoakinGaming.com slash SoakinMedia and find the submission bar on the right side of the page. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Sokin Podcast. For more Sokin Media, visit us at SokinGaming.com slash SokinMedia, follow our Twitter at SokinGaming, and subscribe to our YouTube, Sokin Gaming Community, and look for future episodes of the podcast on Google Podcasts and iTunes. Until next time, I've been T. I've been Jace. I was and am. And we'll be Leo. And we wish you a happy holidays. Stay merry, Soken. Thank you for listening to the Soken Community Podcast. Craving more? Visit us on Twitter and YouTube at Soken Gaming, as well as our website, www.sokengaming.com. Until next time, stay classy. Right, Jace?